Mike Rags and Todd Burlich with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. It is time for another Blue Gold Report podcast. I'm Mike Rags, going to bring Todd Burlidge in here in a second. I do want to remind you, subscribe to the Blue Gold Report wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you rate us and share us and tell all your friends about us. The more you rate us, obviously, the more people get to listen to this great podcast. And we've got a lot to discuss uh, here in May. And it's uh, coming off the seven rounds of the draft. We'll talk about who went, who didn't go, who went after, and all that kind of fun stuff. We're going to have a special guest on the show, Phil Hope from uh, Fighting Irish Preview will join us. The judge uh, will talk about his thoughts on the spring overall and specifically uh, how the offensive line coach uh, Jeff Quinn uh, is doing. So Todd and uh, Phil will talk about that and we'll have a little conversation and a new segment on the show called uh, Todd, I'll bring you in now from Blue Gold Illustrated. It's uh, Todd Burlage. What are we calling this thing? Well, I don't have an official name for it yet. It's just kind of a rapid-fire 15-question type of thing, but today we'll call it Houck's Hustle. Houck's Hustle. Uh, but Phil uh, will join us a little bit uh, later on, so uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, lacrosse if there's time as well. And uh, First up, the NFL draft in a bit, but you just heard his voice. It's Todd. Todd, you having a good spring? Uh, spring ball is basically wrapped up, and uh, the, the draft is definitely over, although um, you wouldn't know that by Notre Dame people are getting picked <laughs> after the draft, right. picked up. How you been, all right? Yeah, for sure, yeah. I got to sneak out to the golf course this week. So did uh, I. turning a little so bit. So did I. Look at that. And yet we didn't play together. That's a little odd. No, it's probably best because I didn't want anybody to see me play golf. But I did run into LaFonso Ellis out on the golf oh, course. Oh, nice. Though, so, yeah. uh, I haven't seen him in ages. Yeah. That's awesome. He's uh, easy to spot. Yeah, he's hard to yeah, he's hard to miss. <laughs> All right, let's uh, get into it. Uh, draft in a second, but first up, blue gold nuggets. What do you got? Four pack, four pack wow. this week. How about it's that? It's always good uh, when you get an extra nugget in your in your box, and absolutely. you know you, you ordered a ten piece, and somehow there's eleven in there. Now we got an extra nugget. Start with Enrique Ogunbowale. I almost had it. I almost had it. I was working on my way in here. It's really not that hard. I don't know why I struggle that much. So it's just a brain. You know what? Anyhow, she advanced in yeah. Dancing with the Stars. This is a four-week mini-season, athletes only. Um, they, they're they dumping two at a time here. And your dumpees this past week were former New York Yankee and Boston Red Sox outfielder Johnny Damon and some snowboarder named Jamie Anderson. <laughs> Look at you all over this. So Enrique advances. Uh, she is now in the final eight so that'll be Monday. She'll try to advance to the final six. Man, her schedule is something else. Flying out to L.A. to do this. Right. She'd actually get back on a red eye uh, to do a presentation for school. Uh, but she wants to do it. It's, uh, make uh, sure she keeps all her receipts for the NCAA when this is all over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because when she did advance, they, the, the NCAA warned or her, her sort of, uh, I don't know, companion or whatever you want to call it. Uh, chaperone said, "Don't you're not allowed to ask her." The NCAA said, "You can't ask her anything about basketball. You can ask her about the dancing, which seems stupid." Would the NCAA want her to? Oh, it, it is. It is. But anyhow, so yeah, you're right. It's perfect advertisement yeah. for their women's basketball, and um, millions of people are watching it. You'd think you'd want them to know, uh, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So anyhow, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar he advanced. Jenny Finch, the softball pitcher, Tanya oh, yeah. Harding. Those are amongst the folks that advanced. Now, Enrique did not wear heels. She did it in a basketball shoe. She kind of did a basketball routine with her dance. The judges told her, we're going to see you in heels next week. And she's a nervous wreck over that. 
Moving on to a little Notre Dame tennis. Longtime coach for the women's team, Jay Lauterbach. After 29 years, he is retiring. He announced this week he took over this program when it was only four years old. He compiled 748 wins, 19 conference titles. He had 24 NCAA appearances, including 22 straight. That was between 1996 and 2017. He was hired by Dick Rosenthal back in 1989. So, uh, My gosh. Yeah, I know. We're, we're going back quite a ways. Twice he made the national semifinals. Those were probably the highlights of his career. That was in 2009 and 2010. He coached 13 All-Americans, so we wish him well. It was a long and prosperous career for sure. thought this was interesting, Rags. Both Malik Zaire and Max Redfield, of all people, actually got my, how, what, do you, what do you call this? You're calling their mini camps, their rookie mini camp invites. Mm-hmm. And basically, what you're trying, you're trying to secure then a roster spot, not necessarily for the season, but but to move through the workouts. Then you know, as, as the draftees and some of the guys that sign up, free agent contract, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Um, Malik Zaire, remember him at Notre Dame? He transferred to Florida. Um, Started out great, you know, had the big 2014 Music City Bowl win, and then his first start of his, uh, well, not of his career, but as a, in a regular season game, 2015, the season opener against Texas, went 19-22, 313 yards, and three TDs broke his ankle. That was that. Um, Sean Kaiser took over from that point. I'm trying to see. I did not. Oh, he's going to be working out with Jacksonville, so kind of in his home state down there. The more interesting story is Max Redfield. Obviously, all the troubles up here from Notre Dame was kicked off the team after the marijuana, uh, the guns and drugs arrest. This was kind of interesting because he kind of fell through the cracks. He ended up going to IU Pennsylvania Division II school, and he was a first-team Division II All-American. He finished with 78 total tackles, four interceptions, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery, and nine pass breakups. He was actually invited to the Combine Rags, which I didn't realize, it was unable to do much. He ran a four six nine forty, which isn't very impressive, and had 15 bench press reps. That's all he was able to do because he had a dislocated hip in December. Ooh. Yeah, right, right during their tournament run. So he was trying to recover from that. He did all the right things. His teammates loved him at this IU Pennsylvania school. They just absolutely loved him, and, and he was very engaging, was doing everything he could. So... He is now going to work out with the Oakland Raiders in this rookie minicamp. How fitting is that? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> You're going old school. So I don't know. You know, maybe it's a st- maybe it's a bad story turned good. We'll have to keep an eye on we'll that one. We'll root for him. We'll definitely root for him. Yeah, and we will track that for you. And finally, a basketball note, a quick one. Martinez Gabin, he is now engaged. He, it was kind of slick. He put it on his uh, Snapchat or Instagram, one or the other of those. Can't keep track of him. <laughs> but he was waiting at the finish line for his girlfriend, Laura Wanalski to cross the finish line in this marathon. He was waiting with a ring and a bouquet of flowers to propose to her in grand fashion, and she accepted. And those are your blue gold nuggets. Well, you're showing your sensitive side tonight. You start with the uh, with the blue gold with blue gold nugget. You start with dancing with the stars. You end with an engagement at the finish yeah. line of a marathon I and mean, flowers. I mean, this is uh, the, the warm and fuzzy Todd Burlich. Yeah, it really is. I don't know if it's the spring thing or you know, it just feels like Valentine's uh, Day all over qu- again. Quick trivia question: uh, Do you know where my sister graduated from college? Uh, IU Pennsylvania. You got it. IUP. That is right. Uh, not to be confused with IUPUI. It's IUP. It's actually in Pennsylvania. Uh, real good stuff. And I've got an extra blue gold nugget in my fantasy football um, dynasty draft league. You know what dynasty means? That means you keep the players your whole career. You don't redraft every year, Todd. I picked up Josh Adams. So that, that didn't make your little, that's made my blue gold nugget. That didn't make your blue gold nugget. 
No, I, I was not aware. And I bring this up because we have to talk about the draft uh, that Josh was not a part of, surprisingly. Uh, but he did get picked up by a team, uh, went to the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll talk about that in a bit. He's like their 12th running back on their depth yeah, right, chart. Right. They have a ton of running backs. It's much like when uh, our good buddy uh, went to Boston to the Celtics and they had eight point guards, and he ends up signing with signing with Boston. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Let's talk about this draft. And uh, two guys in the top ten, we talked about that last week. That is unbelievable. Let's talk about what else happened after that. Well, let's start with Josh Adams because I think that was the headline of him not getting drafted. I mean, when you look at it, Rags, and I have to credit Mike Vorell of the South Bend Tribune for some of this research here, but uh, four punters were taken, a couple place kickers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody saw the highlights of this Australian rugby player. Six foot eight, three hundred forty-six pounds. The guy can move like crazy. That's uh, that's going to be interesting. He was a Philadelphia Eagle as well, so he was picked up there. Twenty running backs taken, and not a one of them was Josh Adams, uh, who leaves here, who left here, I should say. Fourteen hundred thirty career yards. Uh, or sorry, last year, six point nine yards per carry, nine TDs. That was last season. It was seven yards shy of a single season rushing record here at Notre Dame. He's with the rugby player in Philly. Which is kind of interesting, but you know, it was it was you and I. I mean, heck, we were on the the Heisman bandwagon I, there. I bought the thirty three truck through. and had. I was ready to rock and yeah, roll. I know. I think that was the jinx when you walked in the studio <laughs> with that truck and I because, don't doubt that for one second because he only had two hundred sixty one total rushing yards his final five games. So durability was the question, and it goes all the way back to his high school. If you remember, he tore his ACL as a junior in mm-hmm. high school, and there were some rumors floating around draft day and combine and whatnot um, that, indeed, he was going to have to have foot surgery. And so I think that hurt him as well. Hopefully he can get it together and, and, and get himself right and, and be a you know surprise some people and help your draft team for sure. Yeah, I hope so. Um, but again, he's on a team that's very deep in, uh, yeah. in, uh, in running backs. Well, you never know. Going to be a tough roster to uh, Super Bowl to champs. He's on a Super Bowl champs. Yeah, that's there something. you go. Does he get a ring? No, not yet. He'd have to do it again and be on the team. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I guess so that was probably the biggest surprise of the sort of after the – you know, the big boys went in the first couple rounds there. But Derm Smythe, 23rd, yeah. uh, 23rd pick in the fourth round, 123rd overall. That's a nice landing spot for him. I think Good so, for too. Him. It's the, he's the 29th Notre Dame tight end ever to be selected. 16th in the first four rounds. And I think that's 14 years in a row, isn't it? Four. For a tight end to be selected in the draft. Uh, and for Notre Dame? Yeah. No. Yeah, I think so. Really? They've had a tight end draft that I believe in each of the past 14 seasons. No, the one. Seven rounds. Okay, that's true. That's true because I remember the one year the only draft pick was a tight end. That's a good one. Yeah. I think that's true. I, I I think I've read that somewhere. But, yeah, that's pretty impressive. And I, I agree with you. Very nice. He, he's on a good spot. He's in a good spot. And warm weather. I mean, he's in, you know. Yeah, you know what? I mean, and, and this is a guy that, yeah, Miami's not kind of let's go. Not, not I mean, a bad gig there. Uh, it is kind of funny because last time he was in the Hard Rock Stadium was that debacle that happened <laughs> yeah. against the Miami Hurricanes. But yeah, he made 28 starts, 51 games, had 28 receptions, 381 yards, six TDs for his career. But, uh, you know, they like what they saw. He's versatile, he's all purpose. You know, he can block. He's a, I don't think he'll ever be a starter, but certainly he's a good two tight end. And the other, the other player to go for the Irish in the sixth round which I think was a little bit of a disappointment when you talk about Equinemius St. Brown. He went to the Green Bay Packers where he will be reunited with Deshaun Kaiser. 
I th- we some people had him projected as a second yeah. round pick, right? Yeah. I like that how you say you reunites with Deshaun Kaiser, who's never going to see the field. Yeah, well, I mean, not anytime <laughs> soon, but you know, they're on the same team. They'll so. be on the same practice squad yeah, together. Exactly. Yeah. Well, in 2016, Kaiser threw to Brown, St. Brown. And St. Brown actually led the team with 58 receptions, 961 yards, and nine TDs. That's that was, a monster season. That was his best season by far. So they, they, you know, they were all kind of geeked about uh, getting back together. We'll see. Like I said, maybe the same practice team. But Todd, well, if we're worried about distractions of him, his mind being elsewhere and doing other things, if we're worried about it, chances are every GM in the NFL yeah. is concerned about it, and that's why we saw him drop. Well, and he said that drop really has him more focused. We'll see if that holds up, but that was something he said during a conference call after he was selected here in the sixth round, which was, again, way below what he expected to be. He said, this is going to drive me. This is going. I mean, he's got all the tools I think he can play. And, and I guess the other guys of note, Niles Morgan, the linebacker, and Andrew Trumbetti, who was a lineman here at Notre Dame, but apparently he's going to be a linebacker with the Chicago Bears. Both those players, Morgan and Trumbetti, signed with the Bears. And and a lot of the cashing in, too, for these guys. Did you see some of the money they raked in? Uh, Quentin, uh, Quentin Nelson is... A 50, he got a $15 million signing bonus. He's going to get $23 million overall. McGlinchey signed an $11 million signing bonus. Eighteen. Well, you're top 10. You're going to get that yeah. big paycheck. Uh, Durham Smythe even cashed in a $639,000 signing bonus, $3 million a year. So that's awesome. And even Equinanius St. Brown, $118,000 he got for signing a six-round draft pick. So, you know, that, that's nothing to sneeze at. And he's going to get, uh, you know, $2.5 million, which is real nice. Yeah, that is real nice. And that's why a guy like Josh Adams has to be really ticked off. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, but uh, on the other side is his agents works the phone. And he can found a place for him that he can say yes or no to. That is the one bonus yeah. of being a free agent, so to speak. Nobody picks you. You pick the team. Yeah, sometimes you're better off, Rags. You make a good yeah. point there for Especially sure. Especially if you're going to go that late. You, might, exactly. you don't want to get picked in the seventh round. Yeah, I, this way you can pick and choose where you want to go. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, you can find a team that needs a, needs whatever you are, has a deficiency at that position, and, and yeah, you can move in there. I totally agree with you. All right, Todd. Uh, so overall, uh, a, a decent draft. Sure. Uh, obviously, well, I should say better than decent. When you have two guys in the top ten, that that's pretty incredible. Uh, both offensive linemen. We'll see how they do. All right, let's talk about this uh, Jeff Quinn situation developing. Tell us what, what do we know about this and what's going on. Well, I thought it was worth bringing up Jeff Quinn. I thought it was a good segment this week because the offensive line coach, when he was hired by Brian Kelly in January, Kelly took a lot of heat because. A lot of the, you know, in the good old days, Brian Kelly would have his entire staff that he brought from Cincinnati, Central Michigan, Grand Valley State, and he took a lot of heat for that. And I didn't quite, you know, you didn't know, good old boys, familiarity, I get that. But he decided to shake things up when he brought in Mike Elko and and Chip Long and, and some other coaches that he didn't really know, there was no familiarity with. But then when Harry Heastan left, arguably the best offensive line coach in the history of Notre Dame, and Joe Moore would obviously stand stand right, and those two can stand right next to each other. But Heastan has sent six guys to the NFL, four in the first round. Well, look at the two we just talked about. Including the two we just talked about. Yeah, very impressive stuff. So when Quinn came in, Brian Kelly took some heat. Oh, just the good old boys club again. But I think we're starting to see here the job. You know, we don't have any on-field data yet. We just don't. But what we're seeing is the job that Jeff Quinn is doing on the recruiting trail. And the reason I want to do this segment is because this year he brought in, or just this week, I should say, he brought in a four-star offensive lineman from Minnesota, Quinn Carroll. I watched the highlights of this guy. He is the real deal. He had narrowed his list. Carroll narrowed his list 
two top six, which included Ohio State, Penn State, Minnesota, Virginia Tech, and Wisconsin. Uh, his father was a tight end at Minnesota. His brother, Colin, was a long snapper at Virginia Tech. But Quinn wanted to forge his own path, and that's kind of why he came in here. So what this means, and this was a, this was from the class of 2019. I guess I skipped over that. But now already for 2019, and these are all, all Jeff Quinn's recruits. He has the Carroll kid I just brought up, a four-star guy. Another four-star guy in John Olmstead, Olmstead perhaps. And then a three-star who most people say is very underrated, Andro Christoffic. In addition to that, he held together the Harry Heastan recruits and then brought in three from the 2018 class. He's really done a nice job. And so what we wanted to get to know, what we wanted to know from Quinn was, you know what, you had big shoes to fill. Phil, Harry Heastan really set the bar at here at Notre Dame as far as recruiting, coaching. Did you want to... Did you kind of want to make a departure from him or follow his footsteps? And, and here's kind of how Quinn explained his philosophy when it comes to following Harry Heastand. Harry was a great teacher, and I believe uh, in terms of uh, just the way he went about that day-to-day process um, of instructing these guys in terms of what they need to be prepared for, both uh, from a technical standpoint, a tactical standpoint, and that's what I believe. You know, I believe at first I'm a teacher. Um, you know, we always talk about teaching these guys the system of offense and, and certainly the, the play of offensive line. You know, there's a lot of detailed work that goes into uh, that position. And I thought uh, what Terry did for the last six years with this, this group of guys uh, has been tremendous. You know, there's a, there's a certain level of understanding that is uh, it's easy for me to transition and process through this uh, without any question. Uh, but also just the intensity, uh, the passion for the game. I feel like there's a there's a there's a huge similarity from that standpoint. Uh, but more importantly, the way Harry did it and the way I'm doing it, we're still getting the response uh, that is necessary for us to continue to progress and, and make the strides. Uh, so our offensive line continues to be the strength of this football team. Going to be interesting to see exactly what Jeff Quinn does on field. Certainly, has a talented line with him right now. You know, we were talking about the draft a little bit ago, and I think a couple guys have a legitimate chance of getting taken in the 2019 draft in center: Sam Mustafer and then Alex Bars as well. So, there's a couple guys there that are more NFL prospects. But I like, you know, we, we, again, Jeff Quinn. All we know so far is about his recruiting. He really is into it. All in. He's known Brian Kelly forever. Let's see, they they were together. Where did I put that? I put that on here. He was Brian Kelly's go-to guy offensively as a line coach and even offensive coordinator at times at Grand Valley State, Central Michigan, Cincinnati. They were together from 1991 through 2009. And then he came back to Notre Dame in 2014 after a stint as a head coach at Buffalo. Came back to Notre Dame in 2014 as an offensive analyst. Um, so he knows the he stand way. He knows the guys. I like the seamless transition. And he also knows all eyes are on him because of what happened. And you can tell that by just how aggressive he's been You're exactly in right. recruiting. You know, they, like you said, though, how does it translate on the field? We'll have to wait and see. But at least from uh, J- January to to now, he's been doing his job. Yeah, he brought in a couple of his own recruits for the later signing day, the February signing day, Luke Jones and Jarrett Patterson. Um, so that was important right there. Those were 2018 guys. We talked about what a great job he's already doing for 2019. He's also trying to land a four-star guy by the name of Zeke Carroll. He's out of Cincinnati. Um, he's got his ch- uh, choices narrowed to four. Ohio State, Clemson, Stanford, and Notre Dame. So a pretty high-powered list there. 
He's going to visit all four of these. We should know by June where he's gone. So obviously that puts uh, you're going up against Urban Meyer again. But Notre Dame has a couple Cincinnati or Ohio kids, I should say, Tommy Kramer and Liam Eichenberg, a couple starters on that line uh, that they pulled out of Ohio. So that Harry Heastan pulled out of Ohio. So we'll see exactly how this works out for Jeff Quinn. But it was kind. Of, we just wanted to know what's been the secret to your success when it comes to recruiting so far. I think just the, the, the traits of excellence, you know, as Coach Kelly always talks about, and it's represented by our individual uh, student-athlete football players at the position of offensive line. Uh, this is a very close-knit uh, group. Uh, they care deeply. It's not about one individual. They know how important each of them uh, are uh, to the strength of the total unit. And, uh, and I think when a, a young man comes on our campus, they see that firsthand. And the parents uh, see that also firsthand, uh, that their young men or their sons are going to come to Notre Dame and be a part of a very special and elite group of guys that are all about one another. It's not about one individual. Uh, and then certainly the academic piece, the community piece, um, you know, those are all very, very important uh, parts to our uh, success in terms of securing the recruits and getting them what they need to see. There's a spirit here like no other place that I've ever been, and uh, we want to demonstrate and show that each and every time a young man comes up on this campus. All right, well, that's uh, that's Mr. Quinn, who's uh, the new O-line coach here, and we're going to talk to Phil Houck here in just a bit about him, and uh, Fighting Irish Preview is actually going to team up with uh, Blue Gold Report come fall, uh, Todd, and that should be a lot of fun. You can hear it. it in Fort Wayne, if you listen to our podcast in Fort Wayne on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. So uh, it's hard to talent evaluate just yet on what he's doing, but you gotta you got to admit, he's actually playing the part right now. Yeah, for sure. And this isn't just some novice that Brian Kelly brought in. This was kind of one of his generals going yeah. back. So I understand the hire. You kind of got the same thing with, with uh, Clark Lee taking over from Mike Elko on the defense, there were certain areas of this team that Brian Kelly didn't want to disrupt because they showed improvement or they've been humming along. Showed improvement when you're talking about the defense, but obviously humming along when you're talking about the offensive line. I firmly believe if you want to talk about one single unit on this Irish team in this Irish program under Brian Kelly, if you had to hang one hat on Uh which has been the most consistent and most talented unit, I think you would have to go right to offensive line, don't you think, Rob? I don't think there's any question. I mean, you talk about uh, just the the pipeline that they've created. There used to be tight end, and now uh, it's just technically the offensive line to begin with, but uh, now it's the the meat and potato guys, the big fatties, as I like to call them. They're really... uh, eh, That's what they're known for now. Yeah, oh, for sure. And, and, you know, when you're looking at these... The way they develop these guys, and if Quinn can keep it up... It is a pipeline. There's no doubt about that. I mentioned probably two more that will go in next year's draft, and, and that'll keep some things going for sure. Don't know where they go. I did have a couple draft notes that we kind of I didn't get a chance uh, oh, to. We skipped over. Did we skip over it? We ton? skipped over it. It's, it's my fault, but I thought some of them were interesting. So as long as we were talking about some of the drafts, since 1936 when the draft was initiated, uh, Notre Dame has 498 guys drafted, which is second I'll throw out a trivia question at you, Rags. Do you, do you have a guess on who would be first in that? It might be too soon for Alabama. I'm going to go USC. USC it is. Yeah, look at that. 501. So it's only, oh, it's, so, it's only yeah. three difference. So neck and neck there. Uh, Notre Dame and has most of them have been bad quarterbacks, which is ironic. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. As Sam Donald yeah, comes to my Jets, you, you, I, I should hope for the best. You better watch it. Uh, among those draft picks for Notre Dame, 68 first rounders, which is second to USC and Ohio State, which are tied with 81. Um, since 2010, you mentioned Alabama. 
Well, yeah. they have uh, 25 first-round picks since 2010. Florida second on that list, 13. Ohio State third at 11. And Notre Dame has eight on that list. Uh, this last one on this, it was kind of interesting to me. Notre Dame has the longest streak with at least one draft pick. 80. 80 straight years with at least one draft pick. And apparently all of those has been have been tight ends, and I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> See you. Even you learned something new today. I did. And there's been 83 drafts. Only in two, 1937 did Notre Dame fail to put a player in those. But uh, I, I backed up. I digress like big time on that. But I thought I thought That's some of those stats. were kind good, of interesting. Yeah. yeah, the Bears have picked the most guys, most Notre Dame guys, 41. Makes sense. Pittsburgh second with 35. There are six, or I'm sorry, five teams that have never drafted a Notre Dame player. And wow. This is kind of interesting because some have been around for a while. Kansas City Chiefs have never drafted a Notre Dame player. <laughs> San Diego Chargers, Denver Broncos, Tampa Bay, and the Carolina Panthers. None the, of those five have ever drafted a Notre Dame guy. The coast schools make sense, kind of, there. But all those years, you figure that each coast the Chiefs, I know, you know? Yeah, Chiefs are, you know, they're kind of that Midwest kind of, they get down and dirty, get cold yeah, yeah, weather. You think you know? they would have brought in an offensive lineman somewhere along the line. Or, masses, that's why they stink. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, well, let's uh, let's bring in uh, Phil Houck here. Uh, he is the host of Fighting Irish Preview. And, of course, as I said earlier, he's going to be teaming up uh, with us in the fall. You'll be hearing back-to-back shows on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. Phil, it's uh, Mike Rags and Todd Burlich. How you been? Well, thanks, Todd and Rags. It's great to be on the Blue and Gold Report. I just want you guys to know that I look forward to every uh, Friday afternoon I get my text message that your <laughs> new show is up and and I pop it on and listen to it on the way home every Friday. So uh, I love I love your podcast. Yeah, we appreciate that for sure, Phil. Um, Rags and I were just talking. We just did a segment on the hiring and the success so far on the recruiting trail of offensive line coach Jeff Quinn. You remember, obviously, when he was hired, there was some skepticism, some criticism. That was just kind of one of Brian Kelly's cronies. Obviously, we have no on-field data at this point. But when you look at the recruiting tra- tra- what, ah, what the recruiting trail. What are your impressions of Quinn so far? Well, talking about Quinn, let's talk about Quinn Carroll, and you probably talked about him, and that's the latest recruit. Yes. Uh, and you got to give Jeff Quinn a lot of uh, credit for bringing uh, Quinn Carroll into the fold. Quinn Carroll was probably coming here so long as Harry Eastan was here, but when Eastan left, uh, you know, everything uh, was in a little bit of, uh, there were some question marks there. Uh, but the fact that Jeff Quinn has been able to bring in a great uh, recruiting two two offensive linemen now and their top target in Quinn Carroll bodes well. And you know what? Some people forget about Jeff Quinn is that he was you know he was a, a rock star when he was going to be the offensive coordinator with Brian Kelly back when Brian Kelly was hired in two thousand nine. But then he gets hired by you know and he was announced as the offensive coordinator. But then he uh, gets hired to be a head coach out at Buffalo. So, you know, people have short memories. Harry Heastan was a great, great coach, and it's hard to follow a great, great coach like that. But uh, I have high, high hopes for Jeff Quinn as, a, as an offensive line coach. Uh, talking with Phil Hoke, uh, Fighting Irish Preview. It'll start up uh, come August, and of course, uh, he'll be teaming up with us now for one full hour. If you're listening on ESPN Fort Wayne uh, in Fort Wayne, ESPN 1380 and 100.9 FM. But he's happy enough to join us today on the podcast. Uh, you know, we talked a lot over the last couple of weeks about spring ball and what it meant and the blue gold game. And I think the overall theme for us, uh, Phil, was it's time for the offense and these unknowns on the offense to put their you know big boy pants on and start 
start showing us some stuff, uh, particularly at running back for me. Well, the, the running back situation with uh, the loss of Josh Adams uh, and Deion McIntosh, too. Deion McIntosh is gone. He got a lot of carries last year. And that leaves uh, the heir apparent at Tony Jones and and uh, Dexter Williams, of course. And so who's going to tote that load like Josh Adams did last year? And it's going to be different no matter what because that offensive line uh, with the loss of two top ten draft picks and, and – and Nelson and McGlinchey is, is going to change things a lot. Uh, I liked what I saw in the spring game uh, out of Jafir Armstrong, who's a convert yeah. from wide receiver. Dexter Williams, you know, he's like a, you know, he's like a, a, a stick of dynamite that's going to go off at any moment. It seems like about every five carries he breaks a long one. That's exciting. The limitations on him uh, over the last year or two have been uh, staying on the field because he's been injury prone with some ankle issues mostly. And the other one is that he's weak, uh, with his pass blocking. And those have been points of emphasis is his durability and pass blocking this spring. And I think after the game, Brian Kelly confirmed that he thought that, uh, he had advanced in those areas. You gotta figure that, uh, Dexter Williams is probably, uh, the guy because he is slow, so explosive. And if he can learn to pass block, uh, I think the Irish will be fine at that position. Yeah, he can be a dynamic ball carrier for sure. What was it? Nine, I'm just working off the top of my head. I think he averaged 9.2 yards per carry last year. Impressive stuff, obviously. Uh, yeah, like, and and he averaged over 10 yards in the in the spring game, sure. but that's a little deceiving because he had one carry for 72 yards and then nine carries for four, you know two, three. He's that kind of guy. He's right, gonna, right. He's going to go two or three, two or three, two or three, and then he's going to break one for 72, which is a nice thing to have uh, going there. So, uh, But you're going to need some depth at that position. I liked what I saw out of Jafir Armstrong. And uh, and Tony Jones uh, is kind of the unknown. He's been a great practice player, apparently, but I've yet to really see him perform uh, well in a game. Yeah, you're right. I know Brian Kelly wants to get a three-pack of running backs there. I think you probably listed the big three right there. I'm going to ask you about some specific players and kind of get your take on some guys that really need to have breakout years for Notre Dame to be successful this year. But first of all, I just you know, I, you were around the team a lot during the spring ball and whatnot in the spring game. If you just had a couple general takeaways, be it concerns or encouraging encouraging moments, what are your general takeaways from the spring season, Phil? Well, general takeaways is uh, I think we've got some wide receivers that can catch the football, and of course that was going to be a concern uh, with the loss of Equiminius uh, St. Brown and with the loss of uh, Kevin Stefferson not coming back. Uh, but you know, Todd, what do you? Th- I mean, Chase Claypool, six foot five, My Miles word. Boykin, six foot four, Alize Mack. If he ever mm. you know lives up to half of his potential, he's six five, and those guys can all run. You know, that's going to create nightmares for defensives. And I really like what I see, out, particularly out of Chase Claypool, uh, with his great potential. That was one big takeaway. And, and Claypool and Boykin both had really good games. Uh, Mack had some good catches as well. And there's other depth at that position at wide receiver. Uh, defensively, strength up the middle. you got to like uh, this tandem of, of Tavon Coney and Drew Tranquil in the middle, I think, uh, Put by moving Drew Tranquil to the middle at that linebacker position, uh, you create another pass rusher for because I think he's the best pass rushing uh, weapon that probably that defense has right now. Hopefully, they'll de- Notre Dame will develop some depth at, on their uh, at their defensive end positions and get a pass rush. 
Uh, but strength up the middle, I mean, Jerry Tillery also uh, uh, is going to be strong up the middle. But Aloy Gilman, what do you think of him uh, at the safety position? There's a guy yeah. who, who, who just hits hard, and you can see why Notre Dame, I think, when, when they were able to get that transfer from the Naval Academy, really wanted him to be eligible last year. They sure could have used him last year. But I think he's going to be a real leader on that defense uh, this year at the safety position. Always around the ball. That's what jumped out at me about him. Um, so let me move. I, I think you probably mentioned mentioned one on offense in Alizé Mack. If you're talking about guys that perhaps it's time to step up, like Rag said earlier, put your big boy panties on and let's go do some things. We need you to have a breakout year. Can you can you name two or three guys that you're looking at on that list? Well, like, yeah, Alizé Mack is that guy on the offense. I mean, when he came in as a five-star recruit, uh, Mac was supposed to, you know, be the next coming of every great tight end Notre Dame has had combined. Uh, hasn't quite lived up to that reputation. Uh, this is it. This is he's got to put those big pants, big boy pants on this year. Another guy that you know on the defense I would be looking for is uh, Julian Aquara, uh, defensive end. He's got to be a pass rush guy, and uh, he's he's coming. He's coming. He's going to be a junior this year. Uh, maybe a little undersized, but boy, is he quick. It just isn't fair. In a flat-out rush to the, get to the quarterback, there aren't too many tackles that are going to be able to, to block him. He's a guy I'd really like to see step up. Uh, and they, they've got to get some play at the safety position. Uh, I think Gilman is the key there as somebody that's got to be step up. Asmar Bilal, who's taken over at uh, the rover position right. for Drew Tranquil, yeah, he's got to step up, too. He's a junior, and that's an important position in Clark Lee's defense. So those are a few names I think uh, we need to, to, to look to have big years for the Irish. We're talking with Phil Hoke and, uh, from Finding Irish Preview. Uh, you know, it's funny. We, we did this whole segment, and we haven't even brought up quarterback at all. Uh, and I would just you know, like to get your general take on it. You know, it's weird because this seems like the first spring where, I don't want to say controversy, but it almost seemed the, the water seemed to settle that, you know, we, we are going to be okay with, uh, with our quarterback here, uh, with Wimbush. Um, do you think that'll be the case come fall, Phil, or will we have some rough waters and we'll see two or three different guys? Well, Rags, I think I think it's Wimbush. Uh, I think Brian Kelly settled that uh, really early on. Wimbush has the most upside, and that's almost to me an obvious statement to make. He's the guy that might be able to get you to that to that college football playoff promised land uh, because you need special players to be able to do that. That said, you know the way as the season developed last year, everybody saw it, and that was. Yeah, he's a great player, but when they stopped his ability to run with the football, the ac- the accuracy issues he had with throwing the football really bit him, and he's got to be better than a 49% passer. Uh, if he could get that per- passing percentage up to 55%, he can be a really great quarterback. I like Ian Brook. Uh, great guy coming off the bench. I wrote an article about this uh, after the spring go- game called uh, Wimbush or Book, a Lamborghini or a Honda Accord. Right. Uh, Wimbush being the Lamborghini because, you know, he he's, can go 220 miles an hour. He's spectacular, uh, but he's going to be subject to uh, being a little fickle and, and having some breakdowns. And I don't just mean physical breakdowns, which did kind of catch up with Brandon Wimbush uh, as all those carries piled up last year. But also, also, he seemed to be having some mental breakdowns with his mechanics. 
as a quarterback. Ian Book, I see, is a little little more steady, perhaps, at that position, and a great guy to have coming off the bench, as we saw in the Citrus Bowl last year. Uh, Citrus Bowl hero, Ian Book, what an exciting game that was, and he had to gain a lot of experience from that. So I, I think Wimbush is clearly the number one going into the, into, uh, the fall, uh, but it's nice to have Ian Book on your bench, and I don't think the Notre Dame coaching staff should hesitate uh, to pull Brandon Wimbush if he's ineffective in the middle of a game and get Ian Book in there because Ian Book can win. Yeah, if, if Wimbush ends up in the shop, right? It's, it's, a, it's a very entertaining read, and you can find Phil's story, Lamborghini versus Honda Accord at dude-sports.com. It's a really good read, folks. Definitely check it out. All right, Phil, we're going to launch a new segment here, and you're going to be my guinea pig here. I don't even have a name for it yet, so we'll just call it Hoax Hustle today for uh, our, our first Hoax, go. Hoax Hustle. <laughs> Hoax, I like Hoax that. Hustle. Yes, indeed, indeed. Um, let us, uh, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to throw you about 15 quick-fire questions. We'll try to Get this all in in a minute. Some more yes and no, some are whatever the case may be. And here we go. Let's go ahead and get started here. Will Brandon Wimbush start every game this season for the Irish? No. Who will the leading rusher be for the Irish? Dexter Williams. Will he get to 1,000 yards? No. You're a judge. What kind of judge? (laughs) (laughs) A really... A really thoughtful and effective one. Very nice, very nice. Who will the leading receiver be for the Irish? Uh, I'm going to go with Alize Mack. Nice, nice. One band or singer to listen to on a road trip, if you can only pick one. Uh, I'm a big John Mayer fan, but man on a road trip. <laughs> Go for the old stuff. Let's listen to Kiss. How's that for a combination? <laughs> very nice. Very nice. One well-known band or singer you find to be overrated. Ooh. Oh. Oh, overrated. Uh, oh, gee, I just love music. I don't know. Oh, uh, John Legend. <laughs> <laughs> He's your answer for all of them. Will Brian Kelly retire at Notre Dame? Yes. Well, I guess that answers the next one. Will Brian Kelly ever coach in the NFL? No. (laughs) (laughs) Has Brian Kelly lived up to expectations at Notre Dame? Uh, That would be impossible for anybody this side of Frank Leahy or New Rockman. That's a great answer. It's true. (laughs) Well, then, who is the best Notre Dame football coach of all time? Well, you know, I'm real partial to Frank Leahy just because I've read a lot about him. Uh, New Rockney, just, you know, an amazing pioneer in the sport. for his work ethic and uh, just his charisma, I really like Frank Leahy. I'm going to go with Frank Leahy. Yeah, I agree with you there. Favorite stadium or arena you've ever been in? You know, I, I was got it well. Can I go with baseball parks, too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's got to be Wrigley Field. Very nice. Movie you've watched more than any other? Uh, well, I just watched the second one most watched movie last night which was Tombstone but my number one all time movie is Patton nice war and westerns very nice and last one how many games will Notre Dame win this season uh ten regular season games and 
with a chance to win an 11th in the uh, poll. Well, I think I've just learned more about Phil than I've known in the two years that I've known him, just here in his 20 minutes. Phil. I loved it. That was so fun. All right. Hulk uh, Let's do it again sometime. Uh, we definitely will. And remember, this fall, uh, Fighting Irish Preview will uh, piggyback the Blue Gold Report on ESPN 1380 and 100.9 in Fort Wayne. Phil, have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to this fall, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Thanks, Phil. All right, that's Phil Houck. Uh, he is uh, the Fighting Irish preview guy, and he always does a great job. Now, how many years has he been doing it? Twenty. This will be 22 for him. Him and Tim Priester. Tim Priester, uh, a colleague of mine and a really good guy and a good friend and actually a really good friend of the show. Yes, he is. Uh, yes, he is. And doing well. And doing well. Um, yes, he looks great. Uh, let's let's talk lacrosse. We've got the one final game here. Uh, we're recording this on Friday. They have their senior day tomorrow out there against Army, and it should be great weather. All the, all the storms have seemed to be coming through, and they're doing real well. Now it's time play this game and then go on to the uh, the, the playoffs. Yeah, and it wasn't necessarily the script. wasn't They weren't following script. Let's put it that way. The team is eight and five. It was really an underachieving year overall for Notre Dame comparatively speaking, for what this program always does, but seemed to be peaking at the right time. Just won the ACC tournament this week, as a matter of fact. Um, and that was uh, that, that what they did for Notre Dame. It jumped them from 18 in the polls to 8. They jumped 10 spots. And they smacked Virginia. They I mean, smacked, they number, 10, yeah, yeah. They smacked number 13, Virginia, 17-7 to 7 in the title. And they got to that title game by beating number 2, Duke. And I think that was the biggie, 14-11. Uh, they had lost to both of those teams during the regular season, so good stuff there. The ACC title doesn't necessarily bring an automatic bid. Oh, it doesn't? And okay. No, and Selection Sunday is Sunday, so they're going to find out their fate. But they like their chances, especially if they beat Army. They, they're, pre- they're pretty much they're sure they're in. And I think they're ranked pretty high in the RPI. They have an RPI for lacrosse, too, and they're ranked pretty high there. Yeah, it's a 16-team tournament, so certainly ranked number 8th in the ACC champion, especially which so. is by far the best lacrosse conference in the country you think they would get in so uh we wish them luck we'll be tracking them as we go had some disappointing losses this year but again seems to be peaking at the right time you know how important that is in the postseason and they've got uh senior leadership there's 13 seniors for senior day tomorrow so that's a lot uh so it should be a, a beautiful day out there and if uh and that's always a nice you know go out there and watch some lacrosse it's fun to watch it is a lot of fun yeah. to watch and they're hoping uh, the, the the hope is that they can not only do well enough beat army and do well enough in the tournament draw to make the tournament they really want to host a first round game, and that will be May. What was it? May twelfth and thirteenth is when that begins. Those are the first round games. So, and that's finals week for Notre Dame. So the coach really hopes they can land a home game. I kind of think they will, Rags. And that's next weekend for us when we'll be doing our next Blue Gold Report. I want to thank uh, Phil Houck, uh, the judge, for joining us from Fighting Irish Preview. Uh, we'll do this all over again next week. The Blue Gold Report pro- podcast is brought to you by D.L. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes, always friends of the show. And remember to subscribe to us, rate us, and do anything you need to do to help promote us. The Blue Gold Report podcast. Todd, I'll see you next week, my friend. Looking forward to it, my friend. This has been a presentation of Optin Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.